0: Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. This, this is Bump and Stacy
1: on Seattle Sports. Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app.
0: Now,
2: here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross.
3: Here we go now. You got number 21, Washington State, number four, Arizona. What a game we got tonight. Joining us now to preview and talk a little Zags, a little huskies, the ringers, Tate Fraser on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Tate, how's it going?
2: Oh, it's going great. Great to hear your voice, Stacy, and uh happy to be on the show and it's it's fun that we have the Cougs to talk about. They're kind of carrying the flag for the Pac-12 right now.
3: I know, and my co-host, Michael Bumpus, is yeah. especially excited about this as a Coug. <laughs> uh and I I didn't mean to insult you earlier bump Mm. when I said I think for the first time in a long time I'm like tuning in like appointment television to a Wazoo Hoops game okay okay good I'm glad (laughs) glad we figured that out Uh, Tate obviously you keep your eye uh, on a lot of these teams you're already a Zags fan but um, what stood out to you (laughs) about what Washington State's been able to do this year
2: Well, I think the, the most interesting thing is one, you know, Kyle Smith lost a lot of talent last year. Um, I was a big fan of their, their group last year. TJ Bomba is now at Villanova. Now we all know that. And then you had some guys like Muhammad gay who ends up going to the NBA draft. So when that happens, you assume that there's going to be a bit of a drop-off, but Wazoo's got the tallest starting five in college basketball. I mean, the shortest guy on the, on the court is miles rice. Who's one of the best stories, uh, in college basketball. So a six foot three guard, um, obviously battling back from cancer. Um, you know, just the storylines on this team, they just kind of tug at your heartstrings. And uh, if there's anything I've learned this year, just covering and, and watching the Cougs more than I have in the past. Uh, I have to admit my girlfriend is a Coug, so I am uh, connected to uh, to the program unlike any year before. They love the Cougs and uh, they love this team and you can see the energy. And uh, as we get closer to March, I'm starting to believe this is a team that's going to be a tough out for anybody.
1: Yeah, I look at this squad and it is a a typical Wazoo basketball team, not extremely flashy, play good defense, going to share the ball. Um, What is it about their style that you think matches up perfectly with Arizona to make this another good game?
2: Well, I'm a little upset at Vegas because this line is 11 points, which I find a little bit shocking. But obviously, uh, Wazoo's not going ste- to not going to sneak up on this Arizona team. They already beat them this year, uh, as you guys know, out in Pullman. So um, I was shocked by the line a little bit, but I, I just think the size uh, of Washington State and the the continuity and connectedness of this group. Um, they play well with each other. I think Isaac Jones. We've all talked about Miles Rice, but I think Isaac Jones is um, a guy that's an X factor that can really change the dynamic of a game. Uh, kind kind of like a, a perfect double-double machine in modern college basketball. So just going up against Arizona, obviously Arizona's not going to be shocked by this team because they already lost to them. They probably are going to try to send a message. But um, Washington State's a hard out for anybody, and uh, they can battle back in games. And like I said, they, they have an identity. They know who they are. And I think Kyle is a really good coach. And uh, I, I see now people are talking about him potentially being coach of the year um, nationally. So we don't hear that often. But uh, it kind of evokes you know the the old days of George Ravelin or Tony Bennett, or even Dick Bennett, so it's good company for Kyle Smith.
3: You've mentioned twice that the Cougs are a hard out for any team, and we we think you're right. Um, and it makes sense when you hear it. And initially, I was just gonna you know move on past my next question, but then I was like, well, wait a minute, I have an expert here. Uh, when you look at uh, what makes a team a hard out, and, and specifically, you know, what makes a, a team like the Cougs tough to beat. What is it? Because because you know how that kind of changes based on the team. Sometimes it's like an energy. Sometimes it's coaching. Sometimes it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a team, you know, just having a lot of gumption or whatever. And it's not always the same thing. But what is it for this team?
2: I think energy and effort uh, come to mind, but also size when you have the ability to block shots. I think they're number 10 in the country right now, uh, Washington State, when it comes to blocks per game. Um, so when you have size and you have a scorer like Miles Rice, who can go get you a bucket when you need it. Um, Jalen Wells is another guy that has that ability. Um, Yakomofsky, right, is another guy who can go get you a bucket. He He's never seen a shot that he's not willing to take. So I, I like just kind of the moxie of the group in general. And then when it comes down to what you need in March, you need guard play and you need size. Um, and, and with their defensive ability, with their size, I think they're just a bad matchup. We hear that a lot in March Madness, right? When you see an upset, people, we're like, wow, that was just a bad matchup. Well, Wazoo is a bad matchup for for a lot of teams because at their specific positions, they have the size to guard and the size to rebound. And when you have that uh, for a team in March, it, it just takes you to uh, grand places. So that's why I understand the excitement for the you know people when they watch this team.
1: Now, back in the day, it used to be okay. You reach 20, 21 wins, you're in the tourney, no problem. Back when I was at mm-hmm. Wahoo Zoo in '08, uh, we hit that twenty mark and uh, we started making plans. <laughs> and, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a bit different now. Um, obviously, Arizona is a is a tough test at home. They're undefeated over there in Arizona. But after that, you got A State, USC, UCLA, and Washington. Can the Cougs afford to drop one or maybe two of these games, or do you feel like um, there's a there's a limit to how many games they can lose?
2: I feel like they could lose, you know, maybe one game, but just as far as the perception of the Pac-12 and the way that the league is being talked about nationally, right? Everyone is saying, you know, it's a it's a two-bid league, potentially a three-bid league right now. If you probably, you know, chopped it down, it would be Arizona, Washington State, and it looks like Utah is that uh, third team that people have in. I think Oregon would probably be my pick, but, you know, it's either Oregon or Utah or Colorado. Um, personally, I think UCLA is probably playing as the third best team right now, but they just kind of stumbled out of the gate, so they're out of the conversation. But um, nobody's doing the Pac-12 any favors in their last year. On the women's side, obviously, the, the Pac-12 is dominating. They, they've, they're having a great year. But on the men's side, uh, the perception is not great. It feels like when people talk about the league, they pretty much say Arizona and everybody else. And uh, my goal was to make sure they say Arizona, Wazoo, and everybody else. You know what I mean? I think there's two teams that can actually be contenders out in the Pac-12. But um, I, I do think that they're better as a conference than people want to give them credit for as well.
3: Those Arizona Wildcats, number four right now, they're 20 and five, winners of six in a row. What's made them tough to beat?
2: Well, they're just kind of like – got a great top seven guys. Um, I still – my concern with this Arizona team is they're trying to figure out who the go-to guy is, and I think the go-to guy is Caleb Love, who's a transfer. Uh, I'm a North Carolina guy, so he's a transfer from my North Carolina Tar Heels. So um, I'm happy to see Caleb thriving there. But I do have a bit of a concern with this Arizona team. When they're able to play at an up-tempo, their sort of pace, we see them and they look like world beaters, right? I mean, they put up 105 points against Arizona State, and everyone's saying, wow, watch out for the number one seed Wildcats. But when teams are able to muck it up and slow the game down, they struggle, um, and they almost get into a situation where Caleb Love has to play hero ball. And when that is the case, uh, this team kind of worries me a little bit. But, but we're talking about them as a Final Four national championship type team. I, I think they're going to be a second weekend team at the worst. But if they want to get into you know playing in Phoenix in the Final Four or contending for a national championship, I still think there's a few things that they can get better at, especially in the half court.
1: Let's talk about your zags over there in Spokane, man. Um, 20 and 6, I believe their record is, right? 20 and 6. And um, it, it just feels like an off year for these guys. Uh, if you had to sum up what you've seen out of these guys and their potential for the year, how would you do that?
2: Well, I like Ryan Nimhard, who came from Creighton, obviously younger brother of Andrew Nimhard. I saw the other day Andrew Nimhard was talking uh, to Dan DeCow, I believe, or someone with Gonzaga's like sports team. And he was just like, I think that Gonzaga is going to sneak up on some people in the tournament. And, and I agree with him. I, I just think if you see Gonzaga as an 8, 9, 10 seed, which is where they're forecasted at right now, which is a little bit um, strange to say. Uh, that is not a team that you want to see if you're a Baylor or an Iowa State or, you know, one of these two seeds. Right. That you get you get in the second round and 10 seed Gonzaga's already upset a seven seed that was coming out of the Mountain West. And now they're playing you in the second game to get to the second weekend. I like the front court a lot. I like Graham E.K. I like Ben Gregg. I think he's been a nice bright spot for them. Um, The guard play is really the question, but I think Ryan Nimhart is a good enough guard in March uh, and a good enough facilitator um, to get them in the right places and and to get people to play up to the level that they should. Mark Few, one of the best coaches in the country, and uh, I think it's almost better for Gonzaga not to have the pressure of being a one seed or a two seed and everybody asking the question, is this the year? Is this the year? Um, They've been able to kind of chill out a little bit. They get a nice win at Kentucky to kind of let the nation know, hey, we're still here. Um and, and now it might set up where the, the bracket could break their way and who knows um they they have the talent there in the building they just don't have the depth
3: there is some season left to play um obviously brackets that are uh, left to be filled in of course mm-hmm. um we're go- we're gonna have this kind of settle in uh in uh, in a couple weeks here but uh, when you look at the teams that you're like okay obviously these are gonna be some of the top seeds in the tourney these are some of the best teams in the country. You've mentioned teams, you know, that are going to be a hard out or teams that are going to probably outperform their own seating like Gonzaga. Is there a team that you see is, you know, maybe in an AP top 25, like it's a really, really solid team, but you think like, man, I don't have a lot of faith in this program. Like I'm going to be watching them as a potential upset at some point in this tourney.
2: Yeah, I I feel like Purdue is the easy answer, right? Because Purdue has just such a small margin of error, and when they ha- when they turn the basketball over, um, anybody can compete with them. As we saw last year, FDU just pushed the pace in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of picked them up full court. They had Braden Smith ended up having seven turnovers in that game, seven points. So it just was not a good performance. And when teams have been able to speed Purdue up, and they've not been able to execute, um, things go sour. And you know, we've seen it now three different times with North Texas the first time when it was a 4-13 matchup. Then we saw it with St. Peter's, even though that was in the Sweet 16. And then, of course, we saw it last year, like I said, with FDU. So Purdue is probably the, the easy choice. Uh, another team that I just want to flag, I, I like the way that they play, um, and I really like their coach, Mark Pope at BYU. Mm. I think BYU is one of the few teams in the country that's going to finish shooting more threes than two-point field goals. So um, In a world where we talk about pace and space and you know the, the way that the game has gone outside in um, and in Itself BYU is is the perfect team to kind of point to. And I think when they're not making threes, they are not quite the team uh, that they have shown themselves to be. They got up as high as like number six on Kimpom, which is pretty incredible. But when they're not making threes, uh, things can go sideways quickly. So I feel like BYU is one of those teams where uh, it's feast or famine in the tournament. If they go cold playing in some random city, it, it could go
1: bad quickly. Stacy and I have been, um, we reacted earlier today about a comment that Nick Saban had about student athletes how they're not student athletes anymore they're getting paid and we we focus on basketball when it comes to nils and, and the collectives and all that good stuff H- how has it affected college basketball because I feel like that's something that's not talked about a lot when it comes to these guys getting money
2: well I think the thing about college basketball and it's you know it's funny because it's something that happens in the NBA obviously and we've almost gotten desensitized to it but tamperings at an all time high if you're the seventh man or the eighth man and you were a four star five star guy and you're at you know a blue blood let's say North Carolina let's say my alma mater let's say you're the seventh man at a blue blood um, you're getting playing time but you're playing sporadically 12 to 15 minutes Now you're getting text messages from this other coach who's saying, you come to this school, we'll give you the ball, we'll give you 15 shots a game, we'll give you this, we'll give you that. Um, And we have a collective that can give you this amount of number. Um, And then you get in these awkward conversations, right, where guys are going to their current, you know, coach and situation and saying, well, I'm getting offered this, this and that. So. You negotiate. It's it's never been more business-like than it is now. And it's really out front because guys can go on a website like on three, right? And say, Hey, I look at my NIL valuation. It says I should be making $150,000. I'm not. So how do we fix this? How do we remedy the situation? And now as coaches, you have to almost recruit your own team, Um, while coaching your own team, which, as you know, that's a very tough proposition in and of itself. How can you coach somebody, but then also be trying to woo them and recruit them? Um, So it's very out in the open. I feel like every coach calls it the wild, wild west. There needs to be some sort of regulation uh, for the NCAA, but they're too busy worrying about, you know, uh, teams decorating hotel rooms for recruits as opposed to dealing with this. So. It's just kind of what it is now, and I think everybody's just trying to figure it out.
3: Tate hosts The Ringer's One Shining podcast. Make sure you listen, subscribe, as well as through The Ringer on FanDuel TV. He is The Ringer's Tate Frazier, kind enough to join us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook hotline ahead of a very big, exciting game. We're going to assume that, you know, with your girlfriend's ties to the Cougs that you're uh, you're going Cougs in today's game.
2: I, I think that Arizona will win this game at home unfortunately. be on the right be,
3: side of history Tate yeah,
2: I will be pulling for the Cougs. Uh, okay. the, Cougs ha- the Cougs have my heart I uh, I just I just think they're a fun team and I love coach Smith so uh, I'm a sucker for anyone that's a coach Smith out uh, to coach Dean Smith so uh, you know I uh, I will be pulling for the Cougs, but it's a tough matchup I I don't like the line either like I said I think it's a yeah. little disrespectful but um, I'm not one of the Vegas
1: odds makers so I'll leave it at that Tate, well, Tate in true fashion go ahead and um, crack open a bush light when you watch that game and let's (laughs) go cougs (laughs) one of
3: us all right uh he is the ringers tate frazier thanks so much tate we appreciate it
2: of course anytime guys appreciate y'all
3: Pre-game for cougs arizona our cougs starts tonight at 7 30 p.m i noticed i said one of us one of us uh it starts at 7 30 p.m tip off actual tip off is scheduled for 8 p.m right here on seattle sports let's get to four down territory
0: this, this is four down territory going inside, inside the, the game. game. What former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bump. First down bump.
3: What's an interesting take you heard on the Justin Fields situation?
1: Yeah, Justin Fields the hottest quarterback in the game right now it's as so far hot. as uh, possibilities, right? Where can he go? You throw Kirk Cousins in there, you also throw in Russell Wilson, and then after that you got like Sam Darnold Drew Locke, right? But everyone's trying to figure out where Justin Fields is going to go. And I heard from Steve Weiss, who's been on the show before, he goes, Look, man. He can't. He ain't, he might not go to Pittsburgh, or probably is it because Arthur Smith is there? And I go, why, why, why does that affect what's going to happen with Justin Fields? Arthur Smith was a head coach in Atlanta when um, Justin Fields was entering the draft, right? And he had the number four pick. He goes with Kyle Pitts over Justin Fields at the time. They had Matt Ryan, and going into point. year thirteen, um, he had coming off a good year individually, twenty touchdowns, twelve interceptions. But they were four and twelve. They also had Josh Rosen, Rosen on that roster too. Atlanta might have thought that. Matt Ryan has some more left in the tank, or they just were not filling Justin Fields. Now, you look at the draft class when it comes to the quarterbacks that year. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mag Jones, Kyle Traz, Davis Mills, and Sam Ellinger. In hindsight, you're looking at the situation now, and you're saying Justin Fields was the second-best quarterback in that draft, but he dropped to number 11. I'm going to say that Arthur saw the film in Ohio State and said, no, that's just not our guy now. But that doesn't mean it cannot be his guy in today's game in 2024 with him over there with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So um, I love that Weiss threw that out there and said, look, there's a connection there. Arthur Smith passed on this guy and went with a tight end over possibly a franchise quarterback. But I think there are some other factors there. So, um, no, I'm not ruling out that Justin Fields goes to the Steelers. I think he'll he'll look good in that jersey, too. Mm -hmm. But he is from Atlanta. And we know Atlanta has a new head coach over there. Things are changing. Wherever he ends up, he's going to make that team so much better, man. 40 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in his three years over there. Man, things are going to change once Justin Fields switches uniforms. It's
3: a really interesting angle, though. I like that. Second down. If the Seahawks were to go offense at pick number 16 overall, who would you want to see them get?
1: All right, now we think they're going to go defense, but if they were to go offense, you got to start with that offensive line. And we got uh, Troy Fautanu. I watched film all night on this dude last night, and I was really impressed, man. Plays with a great base. The technique is beautiful. If you've ever seen a tackle use proper technique, it's almost like they're a robot when they get getting their drops and their slime protection or whatnot. He plays with a great base, has good hands. The part that impressed me the most about this dude, which now will... I've understood it, but I really understand now why guys see him as a guard. He's a little bit undersized, but he can move. The way he looks when he pulls, how he avoids guys, how he gets on that second level, how he has quick feet. I guarantee you, at some point in his career, he carried the ball. Maybe it was in youth, maybe it was middle school, high school. Whenever this dude can move a bit, I love that pick right, right there. Now this is the interesting one. Tight ends are the future, Stacy. All right, just like the kids are the future, tight ends are tight the ends future. ends are our future. They are our future. And Brock Bowers out of Georgia, easily the best tight end. In, in this draft, man. He is so dynamic with the football in his hands, but he has to be in the right tight end room. You got to have a big tight end, a guy who is going to get nasty in the trenches. You got to have the, uh, the the utility type of tight end. He can do a little bit of everything, but he's at best when he is catching the football and uh, causing these crazy matchups. Man, I look at Brock Bowers and I go, if he is there at 16 mm-hmm. and your defensive guys aren't there and you want to roll the dice, you do it with this young man That's here.
3: That's rolling the dice for sure. Third down. <laughs> What news out of New England has you thinking you can teach an old dog new tricks?
1: Man, you know, my dog, uh, my oldest dog, Lulu, she's uh, five years now. No more new tricks for her. She's she's good, right? I
3: mean, sometimes you're just no, done. No, she's you know done. what I mean?
1: She goes, look, maybe we got a puppy now. The puppy annoys the heck out of her, so I give her grace. But I'm talking <laughs> about Robert Kraft, man. I think you can teach They're him new feelings. tricks. Why? Because you got Mayo over there, the new head coach, and he, uh, he addressed the media. And the thing that stuck out to me the most was that he says, He understands the importance of having a good relationship with the media. Completely different from the guy who was there before. Belichick, walk in that room, didn't say nothing, didn't smile. You ask a dumb question, he's not answering you. (laughs) Shut up. Completely (laughs) different, right? He will shut you down so quickly. If I was a a reporter in New England, that would be a tough 20 years over there. Some people are probably stressed out. But I don't get that feel with Mayo. And the reason why Mayo feels comfortable saying that guarantee you him and Robert Kraft has had a a conversation about how they want to be perceived in the media. And Mayo is making it clear that it's not going to be Belichick. So Mayo had influence. The old dog, Robert Kraft kind of sets the tone. So um, I'm, I'm interested to see how the perception of the new England Patriots changes. Like if Bill Belichick were, a nice, outgoing, friendly guy, maybe I wouldn't have hated the Patriots as much as I did, right? Fair. That was part of it. Obviously, mm-hmm. you keep winning and you It's like you if Brady wasn't so do.
3: handsome.
1: Well, that doesn't really affect me.
3: I think I'd like him more if he was ugly. Really? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so many factors. New era in New England. I want to see how it works out.
3: Fourth down. What disappointing news did you hear about the Combine? And who are you excited to see?
1: Man, Um. My guy, Connor. Oh my God. How did I drop his name that fast? Help me out, Curtis. No, Curtis Curtis, he's Curtis in his the cornerback.
3: The white cornerback. White corner.
1: What's his name? For which team? Iowa. Oh. Uh, Cur- well, uh,
3: Curtis, it's all we got, okay? <laughs> you gotta know his name. And it was
1: Connor DeJean.
3: <laughs> Cooper DeJean.
1: Cooper DeJean. There we go. My bad, Cooper. My bad, Cooper. I didn't uh, pull my note up. But listen. It's unfortunate that he's not going to compete in the combine because I want to see what he can do. All right. Here's the thing about white corners in the NFL and football in general you are going to get tested. There's no breaks for you. Brothers are going to see a white corner out there and they are going after him. This is just like if you go to Bally's or LA Fitness, if you walk into a gym with a bunch of brothers, the only white dude out there, they are going after you. This is a resilient human being, <laughs> this Cooper. Okay. I am rooting it's for Cooper. Cooper. I am, uh, it's unfortunate we're not going to see him run. But he has a leg injury you got to take care of yourself understand but uh, I'm rooting for this guy man I ain't seen this since Jason Seahorn. I want to see (laughs) John Lynch. I want to see it. All right He's been through a lot. Trust me. Mm. Trust me. It's like me at the country club Only brother out there on the number one tee with everybody looking at me like I bet he can't play I bet he can't play and boom Right down the fairway, I look back and say, yeah, catch me on hole three, though. I'm going to shank it. Don't even worry about it. But uh, no, man, it's just the mental toughness of this dude, man. He, he's got to have it. I'm disappointed. But I am excited that Michael Penix is going to throw, that Romo Duce is going to run, and Jaden Hicks out of WSU. You guys watch that kid, man. He is a baller. He'll get drafted. He gives me Buchanan vibes. Looking up.
3: You are listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Get your questions in for what I need to know. Any question, text it to the Mac and Jacks text line, 866 979 3776. First, though, we're heading to the station for Hype Train, where we have two bold predictions for free agency. Neither of those, though, are what are going to make people really, really angry and fired up coming up in, in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere.
1: Bumpin' Stacy,
3: powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios
1: on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost.
3: Get your questions in for What I Need to Know. That's coming up in about 15 minutes, but you don't need to wait. You can send them in now to the Mac and Jacks text line. That number is 866 979 3776. Right now, we're heading to the station for Hype Train. Let's go. All right, we talked a lot about NFL free agency. We talked about Mariners spring training, and we talked about sandwiches. And for that reason, those three (laughs) categories are dominating hype train. So here we go. First train into the station, Chris Jones, defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, held out of training camp in the first week of the season in 2023. He eventually rejoined his team, signed a one-year, $25 million deal. That team went to the Super Bowl and won it in large part because its defense was so phenomenal. Chris Jones, obviously the biggest part of that. He's now set to become a free agent. Here's what's tricky. At the Chiefs Super Bowl parade, he basically said I'm coming back. Like, of course, you know, you're drunk. You're having a great time. Mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. around your friends. You don't want to leave. Caught the moment. But, you know what he <laughs> did. <laughs> I will never. Uh, no team can pay me more money to leave. But it's not a given uh, that he's not going to leave. That being said, my first hype train is pretty simple, pretty easy. Chris Jones, stays in Kansas City, the number one free agent.
1: Chris Jones did what I do often with my boys. We go out to a bar, we're drinking, and we're saying, hey, let's play golf tomorrow, early tee time, 7 o'clock in the morning, knowing dang well, one, maybe two of us will not be there because you're caught up in the moment. He's caught up in the moment, and he almost messed up his leverage. But here we go, man. People understand he was drinking, having a good time. There are a few people that the Kansas City Chiefs need to be back. Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Isaiah Pacheco, Travis Kelsey. Don't forget about the old line. Tooney didn't even play. Show him love. On defense, you need Chris Jones. You need McDuffie. You need Sneed. who I think Sneed is a, a free agent as well. But uh, you start with Chris Jones. They are going to do everything in their powers to make sure he is a chief next year. So I guess I'm on that train. <laughs> so you are boarding that
3: train. <laughs> Curtis vibe train is that Chris Jones, the number one free agent entering March will stay in Kansas city bump is boarding that train. Are you?
0: Yeah. I get the vibes of a, of a career Kansas city chief for Chris Jones. I will board that train. Uh, yeah. Feelings may have gotten hurt during his holdout to start the season, but you know what cures her uh, hurt feelings. Winning a Super Bowl.
3: I was gonna say winning yeah. a lot. <laughs>
0: winning a third ring. <laughs> I think he's uh, doing quite all right in Kansas City, and you, obviously him shouting out to the Chiefs uh, fan base there during their parade, be like, "I'm never leaving." Yeah, like yeah. I think I you think he wants pay to me, be me to leave this exactly. place. So yeah, Chris Jones is back in Kansas City. I, I see that half.
3: I'm boarding this train as well. All three aboard this one as it leaves the station. Next train in. We're staying with nfl free agency now if chris jones is the most closely watched free agent this march i believe march 13th when the free agency period opens this guy's going to be number two quarterback kirk cousins he also is expected to potentially stay with the team that he was just a part of the minnesota vikings but that's not guaranteed here's what's interesting about kirk cousins i know that you know some fans might look at him and go ah he's old I don't know that he can win a Super Bowl. I don't know if I want him. Well, Kirk Cousins was having a career year before he got Mm -hmm. hurt. Do not look at the Vikings record with him as a starter, which was four and four, and think that that was on him. He was putting up numbers. That defense was horrible. That defense was really, really struggling. And so if you're another team that's desperate for a quarterback, the Raiders, for instance, maybe the Broncos, maybe Atlanta, you're looking at Kirk licking your chops going, yeah, I'll take that guy in a heartbeat. So your second hype train is of someone actually leaving their team. Kirk... Heads to Atlanta,
1: ATL, Shouty.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. ATL, Shouty. He out of there. <laughs> he going to Atlanta.
1: it's just all vibes. No, no analysis. Nothing. Every now and then, <laughs> just feels right. I just go with my heart and, and my mind. Just says, "Say it," and I just say it. And I said, "ATL, Shouty."
3: No rest to Atlanta.
1: You know what? Russ is going to be in a di- in a difficult position, man, because I, I think people will take Kirk Cousins over Russell right yes, now. They'll yes. take Justin Fields over Russell yep. right now. He's going to just wait and see what happens with everyone else before he's able to make a move. So, yeah, it's uh, all bad for us.
3: Kirk Cousins is going to be a Falcon in 2024. Bump is boarding. Uh, vibes feel right. Uh, Curtis, are you boarding this train?
0: It does kind of feel like the Falcons are a quarterback away from being relevant again in in the nfl world because they got playmakers everywhere on offense Bijan, tyler algier kyle pitts drake london they need a quarterback mm-hmm. and i feel like kirk cousins would be that kind of guy that would take him over the top but i don't think he goes to atlanta i think kirk cousins goes to pittsburgh I have no insider info. I have no idea why I think he goes to Pittsburgh, but I don't see him going to the Falcons. I think Justin Fields would be a very interesting option for the Falcons. Just pair him with all those, all those names on their offense. That would be an intriguing spot for him. That's who I think goes to the Falcons.
3: I really want Russ to go to the Falcons solely so that Sierra will go back to Atlanta and have a new album, and we'll just kind of see what comes of that. Um,
1: Inspiration.
3: It's truly based on uh, like this <laughs> dumbest reasons that I want to see this. Uh, I do, though, really want Kirk to find a place where he's got a really great weapon like he does with Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. Um, I think Minnesota's a good fit. I don't know about their cap situation. I'm i I'm ill-versed on what's going on with, with Minnesota, so I don't know if they can afford to keep them. A team like Vegas becomes kind of interesting. Maybe you have a swapperoni, and, you know, Wilson goes to Atlanta where we think Kirk (laughs) is going to go, and Kirk goes to Denver. I Mm. think that's certainly an option. If you're Mm -hmm. the Broncos, you're looking at him. Um, Even though you have a lot of dead cap, you know that he can help you win now. Uh,
1: Minnesota got money, 28 mil. I'm going to say no. I'm
3: going to say he does not. I think that there are a couple other options there, and and, uh, there are some teams that that could hang on to him, including Minnesota. So I'm not going, Kirk, to Atlanta. Next type train. Cactus League play starts on the 24th. That's right. We are right around the corner. It's already spring training, but we're about to start hearing spring baseball. Ty France, the talk of the offseason, thanks to kind of renewing his swing, his body, his form at driveline. He hits the first home run of Cactus League.
1: Play Ty France, man. We've been talking a lot about him for good reason because when he is playing good baseball, that team is rolling. But here's why he's not going to hit the first home run, because I don't need him swinging for the fences. You just make contact, put the ball in play, crawl before you walk. Don't worry about hitting bombs, so I'm not on this hype train.
3: Okay, fair. I like the reasoning, though. It's like just baby steps, yeah, Ty. Yeah. You don't have to worry about all that. Don't worry about all that, man. Get a single, man.
1: Mm-hmm. Get on base.
3: <laughs> Ty France hits the first home run of Cactus League play. Bump is not boarding, not because he doesn't believe in Ty, but he says you got to crawl before you can run. Curtis, are you boarding this train?
0: It's Sage Wisdom, there, Bump. Uh <laughs> Trying to think of who else might hit one before him.
3: I mean, you got I all mean, kinds of, I mean, it could be a random, like Dom zone. I mean, maybe they put out, you know, a bunch of guys that are just trying to get some time there.
0: Yeah, like Taylor Tremel or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be Julio. <laughs> I mean, it's always Julio. <laughs> that guy delivers all the time. Uh, I'm going to go with Julio Rodriguez this is the guy that hit the first home run of Cactus League play. So I'm not boarding this train.
3: Uh, I am not boarding this train either. Not because I don't want it to happen. Um, I don't think that he's going to be early in a lineup. And I think it's going to be someone like... uh Garver, Polanco, there's Luke a, Rayleigh, Rayleigh, yeah, it's just, just like kind of a <laughs> name that, uh, that we haven't talked about enough. We're all talking about Ty because we know Ty and we want him to do well. We all talk about Julio because he's the best player and, you know, all eyes are going to be on him, but I think it's going to be someone that we haven't talked about enough. And I, I just would like that for uh, switching things up a bit. Next and last hype train into the station. So when we were talking about Kirk Cousins being available to other teams in another conversation, I compared him to a club sandwich or a BLT. And I said, I really don't like club sandwiches or BLTs. I don't like mayo. I don't like tomato. They scrape
0: the roof of your mouth. Yeah, too. it's just too,
3: it's just not for me. It's not for me. Um, I got some feedback. I got some feedback from some club and BLT sandwich lovers who were very upset. So uh, I'm going to stand on this for my final hype train. Philly cheesesteak is the best sandwich.
1: Easy. It is the best.
3: For that the train.
1: Best. I'm on it. Yeah, we're all bored. Yeah, easily.
3: Who disagrees with that, truly? Matt.
1: Vegetarian. Philly cheesesteak, yeah. best sandwich.
3: Are you also boarding the train? All three of us are aboard. It's a good sandwich.
1: Okay. Wow. Wow. Peanut, <laughs> peanut <butter> <laughs> <and> <laughs> wow. peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. It's a Matt. delicious sandwich. Wow.
3: This is why you watch Magic the Gathering. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm,
1: sandwich.
0: <laughs> I'm mad. I like a muffaletta oh, or something. I'm weird mad. Like that. I
3: really love, uh, you know, the, what's, 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 is that the fluffer? Uh, fluffer the, Yeah. Uh,
0: with the. Uh, I'm mad. I like peanut butter and jelly. Mushroom fluff? Matt, what's your favorite or sandwich? The, fluff? No, actually, this is sports
3: mushroom radio. Mushroom fluff? Yeah. Matt, what's the best sandwich?
2: The best sandwich? Ooh, that's tough. That's really, really tough. I I like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich.
3: You would not
2: in your life. But a peanut butter
3: and jelly sandwich over a Philly cheese what, I'm doing it. Are you joking? Unbelievable. Peanut butter and jelly are not well. It is a perfect
2: combination. When you use like a good grape jelly, oh, nothing better. You're telling
3: me. That you are stranded on an island, or you're stuck in a cave, and you haven't eaten for five days, and you're on the brink of death, and you walk up to a restaurant, and they're like, "Do you want this delicious Philly cheesesteak or this peanut butter and jelly? Which one are you reaching for?"
0: It's totally mood-based.
3: But honestly, it's
0: not. I love a PB and J. Two five three though, with oh, a, a dark horse participant, a lobster roll. Love me some lobster roll.
3: Yes, I don't remember the last time I've had one though. I've I know you before. never have
0: one around here. Like. I, there are many I've places. I've craved a
3: Philly cheesesteak. I've never craved many other sandwiches. Someone said it's a burger or a sandwich. I'm not including it here. No. Not not in this case. You're listening to Bump and Stacey on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Uh, what I need to know is coming your way in a few minutes, so get those questions in now. 866 979 3776
0: Bumpin' Stacy, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts,
1: Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. What I Need to
3: Know, brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling Electric. Get your questions into the Mac and Jacks text line. That number, save it in your phone, 866 979 3776. First question I'm seeing the Kraken and Wild game on Saturday. <gasps> I'm going on Monday. Uh, What I need to know, how much different is watching the game in person compared to on TV? Ooh, we have a first timer. Mm,
1: It's awesome. It's uh, way better. You feel the energy on the ice. Um, It's depending on your seats. It might be hard to follow the puck because the angles get cut off a little bit. Um, But it's the, I didn't, I've always appreciated any any sport, right? Mm -hmm. Because obviously you have to be athletic, have skill to do stuff. Mm -hmm. But you go to a hockey game you appreciate it even more because these guys are skilled uh they're fast they're powerful you feel the energy off the ice so me it's just the energy on the ice and then the energy and climate pledge in general
3: i couldn't have said it better myself i also watched i had seen t-birds games but had not seen an nhl game until going to the kraken um their inaugural season and i agree i like the way you said it i did sit close enough at the time to see the puck, but mm-hmm. it was it, you still lose it because yeah. you're not used to watching it, and it's hard to catch. But what stood out to me was the speed too. Like it's just, it's the energy is a good word for it. It's hard to get the same feel. Like I really enjoyed watching the playoff run, which I watched entirely on TV, mm-hmm. and it was still really fun. Um, there are few games where you can't turn away. You know, like, you watch a baseball game and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go grab another beer. Or, like, you just know that you can.
1: You can just listen. Yeah. You know, you're like,
3: okay. Hockey is one of those games where, like, I almost – Couldn't find a lot of time where it's just constant. Like there weren't many times when I felt like I could get up and walk away from it. Uh So it's fun. I hope you have a great time.
1: My one piece of advice: go and grab grab your beverage before intermission. Like maybe three to four minutes before, if it's not a tight game, go get your stuff because it's a mad dash. There's
3: a little like uh, not convention center, but like something within walking distance. Like it's all on the same thing. And I had armory. The armory. Yeah, Yeah. and I had um, what are the Canadian gravy fry things? Poutine. I had those. They were really good.
0: I'm stunned that poutine is not more popular in the
3: United States. Me too. It's It seems like something that Americans would yeah. get very much behind. But, um, but yes, <laughs> follow Bump's advice and have a wonderful time uh, and enjoy yourself this weekend. Uh, let's see. What I need to know, Bump, you are down four, third and goal from mm. the two-yard line, six seconds left to win the state championship. What play are you calling? This could be the Ops, so be careful. Yeah,
1: and here's the thing, too, like – Who's been balling? What side of the offensive line is dominating? Do I have a right-hand quarterback, left-hand quarterback? What are his strengths and weaknesses? But to keep it simple, some type of motion and crossing patterns going across um, uh, the field and leaking a running back out late if you do not get pressure from the second level.
3: What I need to know, speaking of a Philly cheesesteak, where's the best Philly cheesesteak in the area?
1: I don't know. I don't know.
3: I, it was from this restaurant that's no longer in existence. And it was my very first job as a waitress. And it was Galliano's Pizzeria in SeaTac. SeaTac, uh, Washington. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. the best Philly cheesesteak I've ever had All at an right. Italian restaurant. It's not there anymore.
0: I always show love to tats. that's That's a great place. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, Italian restaurants, Stacey, they do make a mean sandwich. They really, a, do. Pizza I mean, we really do. There's Athens Pizza Pasta in Auburn. <laughs> I don't know if they make a Philly cheesesteak, but they make some really good sandwiches.
3: What I need to know, what are the chances the Hawks cut Jamal Adams and or Quandre Diggs?
1: Both of them? Goodness gracious. Maybe I mean, I think Jamal, Jamal's like 55/45 yeah. like at this point. Uh yeah. Quandre, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I think um you need that veteran back there cuz if you if you do both, it, you're not going to Quandre is not going to go by himself. Right? Is Jamal or both? But I don't think is gonna go at all. So um uh, nah, forty-five, fifty-five, Jamal.
3: I don't even know where to start with this question. It's the most accidentally abstract question I've ever received. What's the most underrated item at the grocery store? Underrated. Where do you start with that? Underrated item like underrated food, thing that you do there, mm-hmm. a random item that you can happen to find at the grocery store because mm-hmm. let me tell you what, the one-offs that you want to find at the grocery store like nail polish remover or things that you wouldn't normally get are always overpriced.
1: Yeah, they are. Um Liquid Under- IV. Underrated. Oh, that's a good way get to your answer it. Okay. Okay, that's a good way to answer yeah. this.
3: Um I'm going to say underrated item at the grocery store. Uh, grocery stores, and you can never find it anywhere else. Anytime there's seasonal treats, like the biggest collection of like, hey, congratulations, it's Easter. Here's every Easter candy that exists. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to go to like Target. Right. Okay, oh, I like that answer uh, though.
0: Underrated item is the uh, like chicken strips and the potato wedges oh, in the deli. That's such a mm-hmm. good oh, answer. Yeah. Love that. And uh, it's always dirt cheap too.
3: Yeah. Uh, what I need to know, um, what's what's your greatest strength as a person?
1: My greatest strength as a person care too much. Lifting. Yeah. Try too
3: hard. Uh, yeah. My, oh. my swag's too tough. What, yeah. what do you do in interviews?
1: <laughs> oh, I'm just a perfectionist. You yeah. know. I, uh, I'm just
3: on time too often. Yeah.
1: Uh, I would say too you know good what a friend. It's crazy. Because I, I talk for a living. So I would say communication is one of them. But for some reason, man, me and the wife we 15 years in a game. We'll be off on communication sometimes. So it's uh-huh. like, I communicate so well in other places, yeah. but sometimes with the wife, we're just like, I think that's so normal. Different places. It's weird. Yeah,
3: I think that that's normal with anybody. I think you're a really good listener. Oh, thank you. That's a really good strength. My uh, greatest strength is uh, handwriting.
1: That is, your handwriting is <laughs> that's something not special. As a it it's not
3: as a person, but that's what I'm choosing for myself. That is, it
1: is as a person. It
3: counts. Yeah, it counts. Uh, let's see. Uh, what is, uh, let's see. What are the chances we can get clowny? And it's a two-parter. Should we? Should what have I be
1: on What'd I say? You need a couple dogs who wore purple. <laughs> I've been saying that. I don't care if it's clowny. Anybody, anybody wore purple. I don't think it's going down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he already had a run here, and uh, they probably don't want to do that again. So
3: many suggestions for the underrated grocery store item. I thought that it was like too open-ended, but now these are all great answers. Rotisserie chicken.
0: Oh yeah, the Costco one's only five bucks. Yes, yes
3: rotisserie chicken absolutely phenomenal uh also like randomly like great sauces Mm -hmm. that you can find yeah Mm -hmm. these are all great answers you guys knocked this out of the park i i misunderstood i didn't recognize your game Uh, (laughs) all right this has been bump and stacy for michael bump is matt nelson curtis rogers i'm stacy ross don't go anywhere wyman and bob coming up next